Today I am joined by sought-after speaker and best-selling author of the Go-Giver series of books, Bob Berg, to discuss being a man of value in times of uncertainty. With shaky economic forecasts, there has never been a time when giving, adding value and stepping up for your organisations and clients is so important. I discuss with Bob as we delve into the five elements of value you should focus on, why you should consider yourself as somebody of value, how value is in the eye of the beholder and the specific skill that will have you capitalising in this period more than any other. Hi, I'm Joe Horton and this is Guild of Dads. Hey, you over there. Yeah, I can see you. Come over. Sit down and join me as I'm about to have a conversation about you. A conversation about what it means to be a dad, a role model and to live a life of meaning. About your physical health, how you look after yourself, contribute to the world around you and raise our next generation. A conversation that will shape the vision you have for yourself. Forever. Welcome back to another edition of the Guild of Dads podcast, your weekly discussion around being a dad. The only UK podcast and movement designed to help dads like you find purpose, fulfillment and meaning. We tackle the issues that matter to dads, including mental health, relationships, physical health, spirituality and contributing to the world. We speak to guys that are dads themselves and also experts in each facet of a dad's life to help you level up and become the man and dad you always wanted to be. You have to take action and the easiest way is by making some changes in some small areas to get some quick and easy wins and confidence under your belt. Just pick a few changes in each area of your life and take action today. Our conversations are designed to be thought-provoking, to make you reflect on your own life, but also give you the tools and resources to go ahead and really smash it. Right now, there's never been a better time than during this period of change and reflecting during lockdown lifting to craft a plan for your future. Many right now are in a quandary with the shifting pace at which society has changed so quickly and the unpredictable nature of the economy in the next little while. One thing is for sure is that those that are able to step up to the plate in the next little while will be pivotal. That's what I discuss today with my guest, Bob Berg. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former US president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing and influence with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann itself, has sold over 950,000 copies and it has been translated into 28 languages. His and John's newest parable in the Go-Giver series is The Go-Giver Influencer. Bob is an advocate, supporter and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and is a past member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption Clinic and Ranch in his town of Jupiter, Florida. 
the American Management Association named Bob one of the 30 most influential leaders and he is one of Inc. 100's greatest leadership speakers. Richtopia named him one of the top 200 most influential authors in the world. And now for my conversation with Bob. Bob, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Likewise, likewise. I'm really excited that you've come on to join me today um, because I picked up your Little Red book a few years ago uh, as I was studying on a uh, men's mastermind that I was a part of. And it really kind of grabbed my attention being from a sales background myself um, in various different kind of sales settings. And the message of it kind of really resonated. I'm not going to kind of delve too much into the book because I don't want to spoil it uh, for people but the book is the go-giver so uh, there's a blatant plug right there at the beginning um, but it did it did definitely resonate and I think the whole idea of uh, giving value right now is very very applicable to the uh, time that we're going through right now in terms of employment businesses recessions all this kind of stuff that's going to possibly be around the corner yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it you know, it, it always is important. And yet, you know, as we know, coming out of this uh, coronavirus situation and uh, just starting to, to open up and get back to things, sometimes there's a little bit of a, a delay and where people kind of know they're supposed to be. And yet they're still not not really back mentally. And I think to the degree that we can we can focus on, you know, how do we. How do we make life better for others? How do we bring value to our prospects, customers, and clients? Sort of go from that I focus or me focus to that other focus. And that's the degree that we'll be able to, to kind of make things happen. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I've noticed um, on that very point, being a business owner myself, and we sp- spoke about this briefly before we came on air today, is that there is a shift kind of occurring at the minute and there's various kind of little seismic shifts what i noticed quite often i noticed this just around about 2008 during the last downturn was that some of the big companies kind of slowed down to a grinding halt and became more and more difficult to deal with more and more kind of bureaucratic to deal with and um as a result kind of the some of the smaller guys and medium-sized guys actually capitalized on that and I've noticed mm-hmm. that um, certainly in the UK in the last few few months in that what happened was lockdown kind of came along. A lot of larger companies kind of shut their doors, left everyone in the lurch. And what's happened is, is the market has opened up for a lot of smaller and medium-sized guys who are kind of going the extra mile, um, doing those extra things, doing those little things. You know, it could be smaller things like maybe uh, free delivery or um, if you buy a certain amount you get a certain amount fr- free or but not just the free prospect but also you know simple things like picking up the phone straight away answering emails straight away and all this stuff that kind of goes towards that kind of that value proposition that we talk about you know what I mean yeah treating people like human beings and, yeah and you know, uh, we always say that when it comes to bringing additional value to people's lives there, you know, there are probably hundreds of ways to do so, but, but they tend to come down to five, what we call elements of value, which are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you and those on your team, and this is usually easier with a smaller company than with a larger one, right? It's to the degree that you're able to do that. That's the degree you, you separate yourself, you distinguish yourself. Uh, from your your competition. 
Now, there are some big companies that, that have been able to inculcate that within their culture, but kind of few and far between. Uh, and as bureaucracy sets in, it's, it's, it's harder to, to get everyone on board with that. Um, and that's one of the advantages of being smaller and more agile and be able to do that. But yes, now, and uh, especially in these times, it's absolutely vital to go out of your way to make the experience, the customer experience, just fantastic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I've noticed that. And, I, and I've noticed that a lot in actually both business to business settings and also business to customer settings. So B2B and B2C. What I've noticed is that, for instance, you know, I, um, I had to get some fencing products for my uh, garden or backyard, as you guys call it. The kind of the main big shop, they couldn't do it. I put a, I put a post on a local group and said, um, does anyone know of any timber supplies re- uh, locally? I picked up the phone. They answered the phone instantly. They delivered the next day. It was cheaper than actually the big store, uh, all things considered. It was a great service, a great experience. And... And I've noticed a lot of little stories like that where people have kind of moved away from the kind of more kind of corporate businesses and gone to smaller suppliers that um, sometimes they're cheaper, sometimes they're actually not. But it's the convenience of being able to get that extra service, not the knowledge that they're going to have to, that they're going to have it next day. And they're not going to spend like hours on the internet being on queuing systems on websites and then just to be thrown out when you placed your order and all this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are different motivations for, for people buying uh, and, and few people and, and, you know, a lot of people even think that they are they're price shoppers. OK, that they are that the, the determining factor is price. For some people, it is for a small, small group of people. It absolutely is. But far fewer than what most think. And I, you know, I just ask my audiences, I'll say, you know, have you ever gone into a store and you knew what you wanted and it was the cheapest one, that's all you were looking for, but then you ended up speaking with a salesperson and you ended up getting something that was considerably more expensive and you were glad you did. And most people, now there'll be some people who will shit, but most people will raise their hands and laugh and smile because it's happened to, you know, to, to most people. Uh, Art Subcheck, one of the the great uh, business by phone uh, people and a, a great guy. He, he, he said one of his old mentors taught him it's, it's, it's never, or we could say it's rarely a price uh, problem. It's always a value situation. Mm. So, you know, typically price is not the determining factor convenience. Sometimes for people, it's status. Sometimes for people, it's, you know, uh, there could be a number of reasons, but, um, sometimes, you know, people just want all the bells and whistles because they love the technology and play. I mean, everybody's got their own, which is why as a salesperson, it's always so important to discover what the other person needs, wants, and desires and what they're motivated by, because we tend to see the world through our own eyes and through our own set of beliefs. So we think, well, if, if we're all about convenience, I mean, to me, I'm a convenience buyer. That doesn't mean I want to pay more than I have to. Of course not. But my determining factor 99 times out of 100 is convenience. Mm. Okay. And so, but that's me. Now, if I was to sell a product or service and because I'm a convenience buyer, I assumed all my customers are, all my prospective customers are convenience buyers. The only ones I'd be successful with are the other convenience buyers. Yeah. So it's never about us. It's always about the other person. 
But getting back to your point and, a, and an excellent point, I believe you made, and that is uh, most people will pay more mm. for that experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, and you see this in a number of situations where people will do that. And I think the concept of um, kind of value in terms of the kind of product and experience value, what I liked about in your book was when you taught the go, your go giver book was more about the kind of like uh, the personal, the, the actual, your personal value, your value as a person and as a kind of individual within that whole context. And I just wonder whether we could kind of unpackage that a little bit, Bill, and specifically per, what we mean by kind of personal value and being a person of high value, what, what that actually means. Because people think about value in terms of, oh, well, that washing powder is good value or that um, stereo is good value. But the, the concept of being a valuable person, I think is is kind of quite a new concept for most people to get their head around. Do you know what I mean? Life is tough for us dads on the hamster wheel of life. And let's face it, life doesn't come with an operating manual. I wish it did. But our fears around what life holds and how our lives have gone up until now don't have to hold us back. You can begin to pursue your dreams. You can do it. I know you can. We talk about vision, action and meaning on Guild of Dads and my debut book, The VAM Blueprint, has now launched. The book is a simple to follow guide which tells you my own story, the inspiration behind Guild of Dads and reveals a powerful growth system that you can start using today. You'll also find out my thoughts towards living a life which has meaning and why meaning is such a powerful North Star for men just like you. There isn't any publishers or cost, it's available now totally free as a download from my website by going to the link guildofdads.com forward slash vam which is v-a-m guildofdads.com forward slash vam if you grab it today there's also a load of free bonus material available for the first 100 downloads so check it out guildofdads.com forward slash vam yeah well when you think about value if you're going to define it and in the business sense, we, we often talk about price versus value, mm-hmm. right? What price, price is a, a dollar amount or a pound amount or a euro amount or whatever the, uh, the monetary figure, okay? It's, it's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth. And this is important. The relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. So whether it's a product service, a concept, an idea, a philosophy, a person, what have you. Okay. It's that, and it's that relative worth to someone that they, well, that they feel is a worth Mm -hmm. value. Value is always in the eyes of the beholder that they will be willing to exchange something for. So in business, it's often money. They'll exchange their money for this thing of value that they want more than the, the money. In a relationship, it might be time, energy, uh, and so forth, right? So there's, we're always exchanging something. We're always exchanging some type of value for a different type of, of value. Um, so what is a valuable human being? Well, that depends upon the other person because value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Okay. But we can assume that a person of, uh, typically a person of value is one of high character and has desirable traits that other people would find desirable and worthwhile and, and so forth. Hmm. And how do you think this is kind of 
talking about the person of a valuable person or high value, you know, um, how does this kind of play out in kind of workplaces and organizations kind of being a person of, of, of value um, in terms of your being an asset to an organization or a company and how you're perceived in that company as someone that can kind of really begin to move the company forward and be, be that real asset to the team, if you like. Well, it really, uh, and again, it could be in terms of, um, uh, you know, whether we're talking about an entrepreneur a salesperson or we're talking about someone who works within another company. You know, when I speak at a sales conference, I'll often begin by saying that nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Yeah. Right. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe that they will be better off by doing so. And by not doing so, and when you think about it, that's the only reason anyone should buy from you or from me or from anyone else. Now, in terms of working within a company, and in a sense, you're still an entrepreneur, only you're inside another company. So you're an intrapreneur, mm -hmm. but you still have customers that you have to serve and bring value to. Now, this could be your immediate boss or supervisor. It could be the people, your coworkers, it could be that person in the other department. It could be the owner of the company. It could be eventually, it could be indirectly or directly the end user, what have you. But when we talk about bringing value, let's go back to the, you know, no one's going to hire you and pay you a salary and keep paying you a salary because you have a mortgage payment or because you need the money or because, because, because they're going to keep you on and they're going to continue to pay you because they believe you are bringing them sufficient value to warrant that. Mm. So how do you make yourself valuable? Well, you perform your work with excellence. Uh, you do it consistently you pay attention to details and you make sure to, to really understand what those people you're serving need, want, desire, need to have. Uh, you act with empathy in understanding what the other person's going through so you're best able to serve them. And you have appreciation or gratitude and you have that attitude of gratitude, that spirit about you, because that's very attractive. And that's, you know, and so when you do these things, you're providing value to your company you're of value to your company mm. and one that one of the things that i hear come come up um time and time again when i talk about the kind of value proposition and specifically you know giving going above and beyond and going the extra mile and stuff sometimes people will say to me and this is possibly because of kind of unscrupulous employers maybe that they've had in the past they'll say or maybe um or maybe uh, clients that have kind of maybe not been quite so ethical with them. Um, they'll say, well, I've done that before. And I, I found that I was kind of taken advantage of where I was doing so much that I was kind of almost becoming like an unpaid consultant. Is there a kind of line that you need to be careful of? Or do you just have to kind of sort of treat people at kind of face value, Bob, and then just and and then kind of make the decision based on where the relationship kind of goes from there? Well, there's nothing about being a go-giver that is in any way congruent with being anyone's doormat uh, or a martyr or self-sacrificial okay. in any way. So, you know, if, if you find, not you, but if, if one finds themselves being taken advantage of, and I don't mean every so often in life, I mean, that's going to happen. The only way for it not to happen is to never trust anyone. Yeah. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if one finds himself in a pattern 
of being taken advantage of based on what they're doing. It's not because they're a giving person or a nice person or a kind person. It's because they're doing things in such a way that creates the environment for their being taken advantage of. I see. So, yeah. So no, but so we, and you know, my advice would be don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, So we need to, of course, course correct. And we need to say, okay, what, what is this pattern? So let's say again, the unpaid consultant type of thing. Uh, am I doing this? And people are continually asking for more and more and more and doing it in a way they're not really appreciating what I'm doing or that they don't know that this is what I do for a living or are they not valuing what I do? To, so what we need to do is, and we always do it in a kind and tactful way, but when we feel as though, you know, we've given a, a we've given some consulting or we've given some advice or we've done, which, which uh, again, it's good to do some of that because it causes that person to want to do business with you, to get to, to feel as though you're competent and someone who they, but when it goes to past that point, we simply need to say, uh, you know, something along the lines of, you know, that's a wonderful question. And I'm so glad that you found my, you know, advice or my, my, uh, uh, I don't want to say consulting, but my, um, suggestions to be of, of value to you. Um, as you know, since this is what I actually do for a living, I'd be absolutely honored to, uh, to continue this on a business basis. Mm. Uh, so if you'd like, boom, and now you go into asking for the order. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, so it's I, being clear on your I, kind of free proposition and then being clear on what moves moves from the exactly, free proposition always, to the pay proposition. Yeah. Yeah, but you always do it in a way that you don't put the other person on the spot. You don't make them feel like, oh, how could you do this? Or if you want any more, you've got to pick. No, not at all. It's just, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so glad to know that you found my suggestions to be of uh, value. As you know, this is exactly what I do. So I, if you'd like, I'd be honored to have a, a um, you know, professional uh, uh, relationship with you. Uh, here's my you know, either here's my site to go to to do this, or uh, let me know if you'd like to set up a formal appointment, and we can arrange that now. Yeah. Now you you just kind of reframed it, yeah. uh, and you do that a few times until you start to get very comfortable with that, and then you uh, you know then it happens. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that distinction, and I think you could operate, you could work that as well if if someone is kind of kind of picking your brains for information and. Um, you know, I, I've had it before where, um, where I'm, where I'm now conscious nowadays of actually, like for instance, in a quotation or a proposal, um, not giving the bare minimum, but giving the enough information to make a buying decision, but not so much information that I'm kind of giving away all of my uh, methods and yeah. my and I think designs and yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of a, you know, uh, if, uh, one thing is if something's happening quite a bit, like the person who feels they're always being, well, if it's always happening, the good news is you can predict it. And if you can predict it, you can then prepare for yeah. it. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, one thing that I speak to a lot of, I've spoke to a lot of military guys on this podcast in terms of kind of accountability and i've sort of i've spoken quite a few times about what we find what 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 i would describe as like a chronic accountability aversion so some some businesses for instance are kind of quite set up for it and the telltale signs are it's difficult to get through to someone um their kind of telephone number is kind of hidden in like the small print 
kind of on the um, thousandth page of their website and there's about 20 million options to go through to actually get to someone and it and they don't answer their emails for like four weeks or something ridiculous like that. And so I call this kind of, I, I've used this colloquialism, chronic accountability aversion. How do you kind of deal with that if you're in an environment that is kind of set up to be kind of averse to uh, being kind of front facing in terms of kind of customers and clients? Um, when you are somebody that wants to kind of move to a position where you are being a person of value and person who is a go-giver kind of um, individual, do you kind of try and fight the kind of culture within that organisation or do you move to a culture that is more kind of conducive to the kind of way in which you want to sell and deal with clients and that kind of th- stuff? Or what, what would you say on that, Bob? In other words, if you're an employee within that organization, yeah. it's a culture of unaccountability. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, you know, while we can lead from from anywhere, the fact is the culture comes from the top mm. and works its way down. Uh, because if the leadership itself is is not committed to accountability, uh, in fact, if they reward unaccountability. Well, we know behavior that gets rewarded gets repeated. So, you know, so the, the question would be depending upon the situation. Are you in one certain part of the company that's a bit autonomous to a certain level so that you can talk with your supervisor and point out to him or her the, um, um, the positive aspect, how it actually helps them for, for at least this division or this section to be more accountable? Uh, hopefully once, once the, the supervisor buys into it and they see how much more profitable that, you know, that, that division is or whatever, you know, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. that small team, what have you, maybe it goes across to other parts of the company and works its way up or what have you. I mean, that all you can do is based on, uh, you know, we all have a certain amount of positional authority and then there's moral authority, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So you can have the moral authority, but if the positional authority isn't there, obviously, you know, you can't tell the, the, uh, the CEO what to do. Yeah. You can, you can present to him or her in such a way that hopefully they see, but they're going to have to buy in, uh, to this happening. So what you can do is make the difference that you can make based on, on where you are. Do you want to get involved with a community of other dads who are looking to develop themselves? To continue the conversations we have here on this podcast in a place for dads only that fosters brotherhood, camaraderie and personal growth, then we have just the place for you. At the Guild of Dads Facebook group, you can connect with other dads on a similar journey, share experiences, offer support and seek support. Most of all, you can get some accountability in your own journey and get involved with the discussions and topics that every dad faces. So look us up on Facebook, join up and get involved with the discussion. Looking forward to seeing you in the Guild so you can start your journey with us today. Okay, all right. No, I get that. I get that. I wanted to raise that because it's something that does, again, comes up a little bit when people sure. feel as if they're kind of they're kind of fighting fire within, the organi- when they, within their own organisation that they're kind of working in and stuff and that. So Well, because of your values don't don't mesh with or if they're not congruent with the values of of leadership and the, the company culture 
uh, I mean, you've got to make a decision, it, yeah. you know, is it worth staying there, which by the way, it might be because some things are obviously if they're a culture of, of uh, bad ethics or they cheat and steal, obviously no, you get, but <laughs> if it's a matter of there are just certain things you don't like, well, you've got to always do a cost benefit analysis yeah. and cost does not necessarily equal money. Costs are all the different costs, mm. the cost of staying, the cost and leaving, the benefits of staying, the benefits of leaving. And you've got to decide, is this something I can work within, even if I'm not 100% happy with it? Or is it something that's a non-negotiable? Is, is this a value that's non-negotiable? Yeah, and a deal so breaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a deal breaker, yeah. Um, one thing I was going to ask um, of you, which is um, which is really uh, sort of topical in terms of what we're going through at the minute. Um, what I've kind of noticed, and we talked about this before we came on air, is that coming off the back of the kind of lockdown and the kind of pandemic in the UK what we've seen is large amounts of the workforce being furloughed or sent to work at home Um, and what what we're what we're what we've found is that um, I speak to I speak to other uh, business owners on a kind of fairly regular basis they're struggling to get people back into work after kind of being furloughed they've got into this kind of what I would call summer holiday mindset early in the summer um Mm -hmm. and kind of switched off switched off a bit from work and i think what i've picked up on a lot of kind of dad's forums and a lot of men's forums recently is that there is a kind of switching off um of kind of wanting to be in that kind of work ethic and stuff and i just wonder whether or not we're kind of sleepwalking and into this situation in the autumn whereby financial stability measures that have been put in place uh, for economies are kind of gradually removed and curtailed. And at the same time, businesses are having to make guys redundant and employers are typically looking at their teams and thinking, right, what guys are going to, am I going to take on um, within my organisation to really make sure my business stays afloat in the next um, 6 to 12 to 18 months or whatever it may be? And they're going to be looking at how people have been spending their time during the kind of lockdown and pandemic uh, period. You know, have they been kind of just chilling out or have they been adding skills? You know, have they been learning, uh, you know, doing courses? Have they been learning things that may be useful to them, you know, when they return to work? And I just wonder what your kind of thoughts are on that, because it just seems like the real pandemic, as I can see it underneath the pandemic, is this kind of pandemic of, it's summer holiday time and we'll just kind of shut our minds off as to what's going to happen in Q3 and Q4 and maybe mm-hmm. Q1 of 2021. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think any leader has to discover what is the motivating factor for, for their, their people. And, uh, you know, we know that people do things for their reasons, not for our reasons. Mm. So the, the leader needs to, to, discover or get with, or, you know, depending upon the relationship, um, you know, be able to tie in the needs of the company with the, with the, with the values held by this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, without knowing the individual, uh, you know, situations, yeah. I, I can't know anything more about that individual and their, desire to return to work and do it, you know, you, you'd think at this point, especially people would be more anxious to get back only because of, you know, financially the, the, the situation, uh, and also just wanting to kind of get back into the game, mm. but not everybody feels that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. human nature, people, different people are motivated by, by different things, but you know, obviously 
if a if an employer is going to keep someone on, that person has to be able to show that they're of value. Um, but if they're not motivated by uh, by you know whatever it is they need to do, well, they either need to get motivated, or that that leader needs to discover what will motivate them, and somehow something has to happen, or you know, obviously the consequences are are never uh, pretty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think there's going to be some interesting stroke difficult conversations that are going to be had in the next little while in terms of clarifying that i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of i think employers and employees and stuff and i think that um what what would you say you've seen kind of a lot of people during this period that what i would term the kind of smart people um doing as opposed to the kind of the people that are taking a more kind of laid back approach I mean, we've touched upon kind of courses personal development and that kind yeah. of stuff yeah well i've seen the, the the people who who um stayed in the game to whatever degree they could of course you know successful people deal in truth and so there's a lot of things that couldn't that you couldn't do yeah during this and you had to accept that for for what it was but successful people while they accept the truth for what it is they don't let that stop them and they don't focus on that they don't focus on what they can't control they focus on what they can control so a lot of people did take the time to improve themselves and learn new skills others who i know of found ways to add value to their prospects customers and clients even though it wasn't a buying situation and because of this they're now well positioned as things start to to open back up uh, they're in that position where they're the go-to person. Mm. So, you know, there are other people, there were leaders I knew of who uh, continued to have team calls and they made sure to make it more personal than it used to be, when, you know, beforehand. And they, they would go around and first ask questions about the family and, and ask people to share what they were feeling and going through and thinking and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, that, that caused people to kind of really feel connected as, as part of a team and part of a family. Mm. So, uh, you know, while, while there were a lot of people who probably didn't do what they, what they could have, there were also a lot of people who I think really um, made the best of the time yeah. that we've had. And because of that, have positioned themselves uh, for success. Yeah, yeah. And I like that because I think that, I think you've kind of touched upon a, a thing that, this, the, definitely some of the people that I know that have been kind of stepping up if you like have been doing um, and what I've noticed you know simple things like you know picking up the you know everyone does everything on email and zoom calls and stuff and that that's great but like picking up the phone and just say right okay I'm going to dial 50 people this morning and you know you like actually that's quite exhausting if you ring 50 people in the morning (laughs) and actually kind of get to lunch and this is like any salesman will relate to this that kind of soreness on your ear and that crick in your neck after ringing 50 people but what we're talking about here bobby is like not ringing up people to say oh by the way um what's happening with this quotation or you know uh what's your forecast for this it's kind of just thought i'd give you a buzz see how things are going you know, how's the kids? Are you getting into work or are you having to work from home? And kind of just kind of shoot the breeze for a little bit just to sort of, so you're at the front of their mind and you can exactly. finish, finish the call off and say, look, okay, good to hear you're good. To hear you're good. Um, keep me in mind if you need any widgets and take care. And it has, doesn't have to be any more complicated than that, does it? Exactly. Um, exactly. And, uh, and, we, and we used to get into that kind of years and years ago, I was in... Um, 
in estate agency over here, which I guess is what you guys would call real estate. And that, and you know, we didn't back in those days. You didn't have you didn't have PCs and you didn't have computers and stuff and that you had like a, a roller decks or a box of cards <laughs> right. and you literally just flick through these cards, ringing people up. Are you still yeah. looking for a property? No. And then you, then you kind of move, you know, you, you flick through, you, you, you used to work the box as we called it. And a lot of the time you weren't actually doing any selling. You were just ringing people up and asking them how they were and, you know, you know, did they enjoy their holiday and uh, what did they get for their birthday and things like this. And it's kind of, you know, stuff that people just, it's those kind of, those what people think are kind of old fashioned, but they're actually necess- nece- um, necessary in times like this, just as mm-hmm. those kind of little soft touch touch points to keep in touch with people, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, absolutely, sure. Yeah. Um, um, in terms of the kind of, how do you see the kind of job market and, you know, how, how do you see... Um, you know, obviously we're going into, we, we've been through a time of uncertainty. We're going into kind of, we don't really know what's going to happen in the next little while. The the, the predictions are that uh, depending on, on whether or not there's a another wave or not, it's going to create further um, economic uncertainty. Um, what would you what would you say are kind of things that people should be doing in like a, um, a job market where it is very much a, what you would call buyer's market in terms of, companies having a lot of people out looking for work and having the pick of the bunch in terms of people uh, that they're looking at employ- employing what sort of things attributes skills um uh talents do you think the the people at the top of the bunch the top picks are going to be um exhibiting in this next little while well, I think skills and talents in, in your niche are always, always very important, uh, more so, you know, what will continue to be. I think the biggest thing, though, is to, to keep building your network mm-hmm. of relationships because jobs are, are rarely found online or through the newspaper or you know, whatever, you know, it, the usual medium is. It's typically through the hidden job market. And that's because somebody knows someone who knows someone who needs someone or knows someone who can fulfill that responsibility. So, you know, I would, I would just say to continue also to develop and strengthen your, your network of people mm. and try as much as you can to bring value to them and connect them with, with whomever would be a good, good contact for them. And, and, uh, you know, as you, as you do that and you build it slowly, but surely, uh, you know, then if you, if you need that to be able to tap into that, then it's, it's something that's very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that there's a guy, um, uh, Jordan Harbinger is a big influencer of mine in the kind of podcast sure, space, sure. And, he, yeah. and, and he is, you know, um, he is a big, he's big into that whole the whole networking thing. And I think oh, he's an amazing networker. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, I'll, I'll link up his, I'll link this up in the show notes if people are listening and watching. But there is a he does a course called Six Minute Networking, which I'll drop into the show notes if anyone's listening to this. Um, I think it's a free course that Jordan does over there. Which um, uh, which takes you to the basics of networking and keeping in touch with people. Sorry to hijack the interview with you, Bob, with uh, with a blatant plug for Jordan, but I'm sure you won't mind knowing of knowing of him. He's a he's a he's a um, he's a very good podcaster, but he's also oh, a, he he's a very perfect. nice man as well. So. Yes. He very much is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I'll drop that into the notes and stuff um, in terms of the kind of networking, th- networking uh, things. And obviously, I've t- I've just broached that question from the from the point of view of an 
employer in terms of kind of uh, customers and clients you know we've already touched upon the fact that some people are kind of rising to the occasion some companies are rising to the occasion a lot better than others right now again from a company point of view and from an organizational point of view the, the companies and organizations that are going to be capitalizing in the next little while what are your thoughts on thoughts on that bob uh, you know, I think the ones who do it right during the good times are a lot of times the ones who do it right during the, the yucky times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Culture, cultures. You know, you've got uh, uh, the Barry Waymiller Corporation that uh, Bob uh, uh, Chapman, uh, who wrote the book Everybody Matters. You know, that's a, a company. They've got tens of thousands of employees, you know, and they're they're like one big family. And they've shown that they do the same thing during the good times as they do during the, the tough times. They put their employees first. They, they make their employees feel valued because they are. And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, typically how you do anything is how you do everything as the saying goes. And mm. good cultures are usually stay good cultures. Now, it's not always the case, of course. There are ones that, you know, that, uh, for whatever reason, just, um, they can't handle a downturn. And, but usually that's because on a foundational level, something was missing, something mm -hmm. just really wasn't in place. But I think by and large, you know, the companies that care about their people, it just, it, it sort of just brings that to the top, to the forefront that yeah. they do. Yeah. Those that don't, well, uh, you know, that's another story. Yeah. Yeah. They know what the mission is. They feel looked for, looked looked after and they feel valued and they're able to pass that value of that feeling valued onto the actual uh, customers and client it's interesting yeah. actually you say that bob because i've noticed that a lot of the a lot of the companies that i've dealt with over the years who look to that the treat often treat suppliers badly uh are often when you actually speak to the people that work inside the company the actual culture inside the company reflects what's happening on the outside. And, it, and sure. it's interesting because that's similar to kind of like a, a personal level, isn't it? Your, your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. But I often, yeah. th I often think the same of organizations that the their outer perception is a reflection of when you speak to sometimes people that work within Absolutely. them, they're kind of like, oh, it's terrible working here. I hate mm -hmm. it. I don't feel valued, you know. No one respects me and, you know, I can't wait to leave at five o'clock. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you, can, you can practically always tell a company's internal culture by, you know, the outward actions of, of those you speak with. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's been a rip-roaring um, journey through value, uh, the current state of where we are at the moment, both, you know, on the, in the US and the UK. Um, in our conversation today, Bob, um, what would you say? You, any of your sort of top tips that you might want to add to add to the conversation that we've had today in terms of you know the current um, the current time we're at in history, you know, giving personal value, giving company value, and all those kind of things. What would be, what would be your top sort of uh, three or four uh, tips? Would you say? I mean, I, I think it always comes down to to um, moving your focus off of yourself and placing it onto others mm -hmm. again, not in a self-sacrificial way. That's not what I'm talking about, but, uh, but in a way that just shows how much you want to please others mm -hmm. who shows how much value you want to provide others. Uh, I think when you do that and you stay with that, everything else sort of comes, comes off of that. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And one last question that I'm going to ask of you today, sir, 
and I don't prime anyone that comes onto my podcast for this question. What is it that gives you meaning, Bob? Well, I think it comes down to, and this is really, to me, it's carrying on my dad's legacy. And this is uh, trying to help people feel genuinely good about themselves. I think when you can do that, you know, then it's a, it's a, a nice feeling to have. I love it. I love it. Igniting people's fire, igniting people's fire. If people want to find out about what you do and um, reach out to you, uh, send you a message, what is the best way for them to do so? Uh, the best place is Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And there's pretty much everything there at the website that you could ever want in terms of my uh, information and probably stuff that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time today, for joining us from sunny Florida. And um, I really, like I say, I, I, your your book, when it was um, when it was mentioned to me uh, a couple of years back, I got a lot out of it. I thoroughly, I will link it up in the show notes, guys. It's called The Go Giver. It's not a very long book. It's a pa- it's a parable of short stories, and it really does. Um, get into your head in a way that other books probably wouldn't. I think that's the fairest way of putting it, Bob. Well, I, I take that as a great compliment. I had a fantastic co-author, John David Mann, who's a wonderful writer and really made the story come alive. Excellent. Super. So I thank you for your time today and I wish you all the best, sir. Thank you. You too. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Bob. Cheers. That's a wrap. All right. Great job. I had a lot to get through, so I uh, so I, I I kept the pace going as best as I could. So I hope you don't mind me dropping in, Jordan. But it came into my head as we were talking about networking, and I thought, Hello. Hello. <laughs> he's um he's a really great guy actually, because because he he, uh, he kind of influenced me when I first started, and every now and again I kind of drop him a message, and I and I'm going to get him in at, in at some point because okay. I think he's yeah I think he's a new, well he's a new well not such a new dad I think he's his little one must be coming up to a year old now, I guess. So, uh, oh, I don't, didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, he did because yeah, I was one of the good people. Because his podcast changed, and I messaged him and I said, "Your voice right. has changed since you have become a dad. Your there's a there's a difference. That your voice sounds different. Uh-huh. <laughs> it sounded more mellow, sort of thing. And I think he, yes. I think he interviewed Kobe Bryant around about the same time as. Yeah, he was. I think he was one of the last people to interview Kobe Bryant, actually, as well, which is quite oh, wow. interesting. So, uh, yeah, so excellent. Well, this will pro- um, this will go out in, I would say, a couple of weeks' time. So, what I'll do is I'll I'll, um, I'll uh, message you, message you up beforehand, and I'll send you the kind of links and stuff to sh- to share out. Um, and um, yeah, funny enough, I'm on uh, I'm on. Uh, Mark Asquith's Captivate platform so um, so that he does all my hosting basically that's how I was chatting to Mark and he said and uh, we were talking about books and I said oh, you need to read The Go-Giver and he said I've already read The Go-Giver I know Bob I'll introduce you to him <laughs> <laughs> that's but, very nice. yeah but yeah he's a great guy so uh, super I will let you get on sir thank you very much for coming on and giving me uh, your time um, thank you if there's anyone else that you think would be a great fit for the podcast, by all means, let me know. Um, okay. We're always looking for interesting, interesting guests that can build value in the lives into the lives of dads and whatever. So, yeah, fantastic. Okay, super. Mine, there you go. Thank you so much. Cheers, Bob. I appreciate you.
And Cheers. You, there you go. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it, my conversation with Bob. With much of us facing uncertainty at present, understanding the concept of value, giving and going the extra mile has never been so current. One of the things that I've noticed is that in any period of history, there are those stepping up right now and those who are hanging back. And Bob and I delved into this in our discussion. However, we highlighted that those that are capitalising, building skills and value right now will be those that will thrive in these new shifting times. My key takeaways? There is a difference between value when we talk about goods and personal value as a person. That knowing what makes you valuable and how to add value to yourself and what you bring to your organisation and your clients is key. And that those thriving in the next little while will be those that have noticed this shift and moved forward accordingly. Now, if you want to find out about Bob and the work he does, you can check him out at the GoGiver website, which is www.thegogiver.com. His own website is berg.com, which is B-U-R-G. And you can check him out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can ping him a message, let him know what you thought about today's podcast interview. And you can also get a copy of his book uh, on all good uh bookstores like Amazon and also Barnes and Noble. Um, the six minute networking course that we mentioned in the show is also linked up in the show notes, which you can find over at guildofdads.com. Um, but if you want to check that course out, it's at courses.jordanharbinger.com forward slash courses forward slash six hyphen minute hyphen networking. Um, if you want to find it a bit easier, you can probably do a quick Google search on it. If you want to hear more discussions just like this one today, the best way to do it is by subscribing on your podcast player of choice, be that iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you subscribe, then you will uh, get to find out the podcast episodes that are coming up each week. They'll just pop up on your podcast player of choice. So that is the best way to hear more discussions like the one today. You can drop us a rating and review. That would be very much appreciated. But the biggest compliment that you can give to me is by just sharing this episode out however you want to, whether that be on WhatsApp, Messenger, or text. The more information that can be shared out, it's really important as some of the information can be truly life-changing for dads that you may know. So if you can do that, that would be really fantastic and I would really appreciate it. You can get involved with the discussion on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter using the handle at Guild of Dads and check out our Facebook group to join the Guild. If you like what you hear and you want to email me, I love to hear from listeners. So ping me an email, joe at guildofdads.com. Let me know what you like, what you don't like and who you would like me to interview even. I'd love to know. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about what we're doing at Guild of Dads, then head over to www.guildofdads.com and in the meantime, live a life of vision, action and meaning.